the rest of us. Let's take our Bibles and turn to a, a uh, what should be a very familiar passage if you've been around Open Door Bible Baptist Church very long. John chapter 19 and verse 30. Um, behind me, uh, above the uh, representation of the empty tomb are the words, It is finished. And and those words come from this verse here in the Bible, John chapter 19 and verse 30. And let's just read uh, that verse. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Now I want to read the parallel verse to you as you look again, if you would, at John chapter 19 and verse 30 from the book of Luke. Luke 23:46 says, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now, there, there is no contradiction between Luke and John, they are recording the same event, but there's a different emphasis there. And, and uh, that's what I would like to, to start with this morning is just bring that forth. As Jesus was dying on the cross, he was put on the cross uh, about nine o'clock in the morning. If you follow the events, and please, uh, if you have watched Mel Gibson's filthy movie, The uh, uh, whatever he called it, talking about the crucifixion of Christ. You need to understand about ten minutes of that uh, full-length movie is Bible. The rest of it is fiction. Uh, the You're not going to learn anything about the Bible from Mel Gibson. If you have any questions about that, uh, read the newspaper clippings. Uh, the, the man has nothing to do with the gospel or Jesus Christ. And yet, he, he made this movie called The Passion of the Christ. And please, do not, do not. That is not Bible. It's Hollywood. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, the world loves this picture of a dying martyr. And weakening and all of these things. I want you to understand, Jesus is God. He was not a martyr. He was not a victim of circumstance. And I don't know how else to say this, but it's beyond the realms of blasphemy to think that Jesus needed his mother to help him. Or that somehow he got strength from her when he came to save us from our sins. Can we say amen to that? As Jesus was hanging there on the cross, he said many things. And we're not going to take time about seven different sayings. And we're not going to go through all of those today. We're just interested in this last Seconds as he is hanging on the cross, he had said, I thirst. They gave him to drink uh, vinegar mixed with uh, gall, which was uh, supposed to be uh, a sedative type thing. And uh, to ease the suffering of those on the cross, it says in Luke that he cried with a loud voice. John tells us what that loud voice was. 
In English, the translation is, it is finished. This was not a death gasp. It is finished, I'm dying. That's not what Jesus was doing. He was paying the price for our sins. It was a cry of victory. It was a statement of defeat. The work of salvation was finished. So as Jesus was hanging there on the cross, He had fulfilled every prophecy spoken of Him. And if you have time this afternoon, you ought to read Psalm 22, written a thousand years before Jesus hung on the cross, and yet such a vivid portrayal of everything that Jesus had done. We have some modern-day scoffers who claim that it was actually written after the cross, not before. Well, let me tell you, God knew what was going to happen. The Bible tells us that those works, and we'll look at that passage in Hebrews in just a few minutes, that the works were finished before the foundation of the earth, before God spoke, let there be light in His mind, in His heart, in God's plan for this world in which we live. He knew there would be a cross. Uh, I love the song the ladies sang. And all the songs this morning, no one's seen my notes, but I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, it was if someone planned the songs this morning, the hymns and the specials. And we like when the Lord does things that way. You see, we want to Learn a little more about Jesus today. I hope and pray that is the purpose for which you've come. The only place we're going to learn that is from this book called the Bible. God knew there would be a cross. He prophesied all of the things that Jesus would do in his first coming to this earth from the birth in Bethlehem's manger until the empty tomb, there were over 600 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. If you have any doubt uh, about the truthfulness of this book called the Bible or the fact that this is a divine book and not an earthly book, do the math. How could someone determine where they would be born? How they would die. Uh, All of those things. And yet Jesus said, the greatest proof is my resurrection from the dead. The Pharisees and the the temple priest understood that. That's why they went to Pilate and they they got a Roman guard. They thought they were going to keep Jesus in the tomb. Read the story. It wasn't Jesus that appeared to the guards. It was just an angel that picked up that stone that may have weighed as much as 5,000 pounds. The Bible says he rolled it away. Now, if you saw someone exercise that kind of strength, you would have to accept one of two realities. Either one, you're watching some comic book movie. Or number two, you are in big trouble. 
the Roman guards did not know about Marvel and comic books or DC and all of that stuff. Superman hadn't been invented yet. And so, therefore, the only option left to them was they were in big trouble and they played dead, didn't they? And that's exactly what you and I would have done in the same place. The tomb was not opened so Jesus could get out. The tomb was opened so we could see in. You see, as Jesus hung there on the cross... He made that statement. It is finished. And then, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he gave up the ghost. Someone has said, well, if Jesus is God, how could he die? Jesus was man. And God. As a man, he died. As God, he came out of the tomb on the third day. Proving that it is finished was not a death gasp, but a statement of fact, a declaration of victory. That the work of salvation for mankind had been completed. If you read your Bible carefully, and you should, you start in the book of Genesis, and you're going to find something there. What sacrifice did Abel bring to God? A lamb. Our animal rights people, oh, you you can't do that. God accepted the death of that innocent animal as an atonement. The Old Testament word is atone. It means the rolling back or the putting off. You see, God had a plan and it includes this thing that we call time. And He understood and He gave us so much time, thousands of years in fact, to understand that God demands... A sacrifice. That sacrifice had to be like the song that the girls sang. I'm sorry, they're not girls, but they are to me. Uh, Our young lady sang this morning. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. God said, I'll accept the blood of the animals until... My perfect sacrifice can be fulfilled. Now, I want us to go to the book of Hebrews, if we would. And we're going to move around just a little bit today, but uh, limber up your fingers. The book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Hebrews, chapter 12. And verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, the overall context of of this verse here is talking about uh, our journey in faith 
and it likens it to a race, not a hundred yard dash, but the long distance race, the more like a marathon, something that goes throughout your life. It says, let us run with patience that race. We're to be looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, the author is the one who writes it down. Amen? Jesus is the one who began our faith. If you read Revelation chapter 1, he introduces himself to John on the Isle of Patmos as the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The writer of Hebrews says that he is the author. He's the one that sat down and wrote in his name. If we follow him through the Bible, his name is the Word of God, the living Word. And if you try to separate the living Word from the written Word, you're going to end up in heresy. You're going to end up in deep, deep trouble Jesus is the one who has given us His words. He wrote down these stories. He used over 40 different men over a period of nearly 2,000 years. And yet, not one contradiction in your Bible if you read it the way God intended it to be read. Jesus is the author, but He's the finisher. See, we're always looking for something new. Isn't that true? How many of you like the new styles? I don't. I like the old stuff. Fortunately, you can just, as a man, you can wear a suit and a tie and nobody's going to argue with you. New, everything is new. I get stuff in the mail all the time. A new approach to reaching people. Well, wait a minute. Jesus is the author and the finisher. I'm not looking for innovation. I'm supposed to be looking unto Jesus. Amen? I can peel away the veneers of man's reasoning and man's traditions and get right down to the rock-solid words that Jesus spoke as they are recorded. The words that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, gave the prophets of old to write and instructed John, the beloved apostle, to write in the book of Revelation. You see, the Bible tells us that it is finished. But I've got a race to run. How did Paul put it in 2 Timothy as he was writing to his preacher boy, his trainee in the ministry he called Timothy, my son, in the ministry, Timothy wasn't his physical son, but he had uh, brought Timothy from a young man. Timothy was already saved and a member of the church there. And Paul took him and 
took him with him and trained him and instructed him. And now Paul was languishing in the Roman dungeon, not in the prison that is recorded in the book of Acts. But this was years later. He was awaiting his execution under the wicked and depraved Nero. And he knew that his time wouldn't be long. And so what did he tell Timothy to do? Preach the word. Be faithful. Be instant. He said, you just be there. He said, you stick with this book. And then he said, I, I finished my course. He said, I've run my race. He said, I kept the faith. Now, that's an amazing statement if faith is this erythreal, unattainable, mystical, floating thing that changes all the time. How could Paul say that? But if the faith of Jesus Christ is a simply defined truth written down in this book, well, then Paul could make that statement with surety, couldn't he? And so can you. And so can I. During our anniversary, we had two preachers here between the two of them, over nearly 125 years of preaching, between two preachers. If you missed it, you missed it. Sorry. But I'll tell you, their faith just came from this book. Their faith was in those narrow parameters of the teachings and the words of Jesus. And I can go to the shelves of books in my office and find men that lived 500 and 1,000 and nearly 2,000 years ago that we have their writings. And you know what? They were looking to Jesus. Not only the author, but the finisher. Nothing new. But Paul ran his race. Now, let's go back in the book of Hebrews to chapter 4, if you would. Chapter 4. And let's just start reading in verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest... Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now, the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us something. He's saying there is this thing called rest. You see, if it is finished, and Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, 
then there is a thing called rest for the believer. 99% of all things that call itself, calls itself religion is going to give you a list of things to do. Do you know that religions have waged wars over their list of to-do things in order to get salvation? And they have fought with each other and they curse one another and they claim all of these things. And the modern day person living in the world sits there and says, It's all so confusing. How in the world can you know what's true? Oh, wait a minute. Let's go back and talk to the author. His name is Jesus. And the finisher. And so if he finished it, and then Joseph Smith shows up in 1830-whatever and says, No, no, he didn't finish it. I've come to finish more. This book points a finger and says, Liar. False prophet. Blasphemer and demeanor of Jesus Christ because he has already finished it. How many of you are old enough to remember the commercials that the Mormon church used to run on the television? Well, they're the family church and they just love one another. And, and uh, I remember seeing these as a, as a child growing up and, and, and asking questions. Who, who are they? They're, they? They say they're the Latter-day Saints. I mean, certainly this is the Latter-day. What about this thing? And then I found out the divorce rate in the Mormon church is about double that of the non-Mormon world. Doesn't sound much like a family church to me, does it? And then you start really getting into things and it, it's, wow. You know, the Bible tells some fantastic stories. Jonah got swallowed by a whale. He was three days and three nights in the whale's belly. Do you know, I can go into the history books in the 1700s and 1600s and even earlier, the whaling ships that went around the world after the amber gold, the, the fat and the, and the things of those whales boiled down and, and, and uh, sold for... And there were sailors that got swallowed. And some of them got retrieved alive and some of them didn't. But you know what that tells me? That that fantastic story of Jonah getting swallowed by the whale actually could have happened. But you read stuff in some of these other books and there's no way that could have happened. The Book of Mormon tells of people groups that never existed. Not one archaeological shred of evidence. We're not here just to... to just to slam other religions, what we're here to do is help you understand something. You don't need to lose sleep over what other groups are talking about if you're willing to rest upon the words of the author and finisher of our faith. Can we say amen about that? 
How many of you are worried about North Korea? Ought to be. It is terrifying. But you know something? I don't lay awake at night wondering what's going to happen next. Because I want to rest upon the words of the author and finisher of my faith. Can we say amen to that? How many people in the world say, trust me? Trust me, it's a brand new used car. (laughs) Oh. Trust me, I'm a politician. No, thank you. But I can trust what Jesus said. He's the author. He's the finisher of my faith. And He has promised those that believe in Him a rest. When my wife and I were contemplating marriage, some, uh, well, anyway, uh, shall we say less than biblical Baptist preacher had written a book 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in 88. We got married September 3rd, 1988. And people would, preachers that knew the Word of God, they would joke with, Why are you getting married? Jesus is coming three days after your wedding or a month after your wedding, whatever. And my answer always was, We'll take that chance. Uh, That was over 29 years ago. I'm glad I didn't listen to them. And after the first and second and third little Montoro showed up, they started saying, you know, the world is a crazy world. You, you better be careful about having kids. I said, well, well, we'll just trust the Lord with that too. And I like what my father-in-law says. He said, now, which one of the twelve would you send back? Not a one. You see, when you rest in the Lord, you don't have to worry about the world. You have a race to run. And Paul said, listen, I've kept the faith. I finished my course. I've walked the path that God would have me to. And just turn a page or so in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 6. And Hebrews chapter 6 is one of those chapters in your Bible that if you're not careful, it'll mess you up. But we want to be careful. See, we want to trust in the words that came... From the author and finisher of our faith, we know that He wants us to rest in His words and in Him. We do not work for our salvation. You cannot earn it because Jesus already finished it. 
I don't do good works to earn my way to heaven. You see, this world is full. I wish we had time this morning just just to, to develop this fully, but just touch on this. Everybody you meet who's willing to help you wants something in return. Isn't that the world in which we live? Hello? And you have to make a decision. Am I willing to give this person what they want so they'll give me what I want? If you want to know why most marriages fail, it's because they're based on that worldly, wicked philosophy. And most people who call themselves Christians are living and moving right along with the mainstream. Well, I'll, I'll do what you say. I'll get down on my knees when I'm supposed to get down on my knees. I'll pray when I'm supposed to pray. I'll put so much money in the offering plate. I'll kiss the ring. I'll, uh, uh, I'll read whatever book you want me to read. I'll, I'll say so many of these and do so many of those. Whatever. Because I, I, I want to go to heaven someday. I don't want to go to hell. So I'll do what you say. But you see... Is that really any different than the gangster who comes up to you and says, Hey, nice store window. If you give me 20 bucks, I won't break it. Is there any real difference? Well, yeah, the accent. Okay. Uh, But... That's not Jesus. That's not Bible. That's not why I serve Christ. That's not why He has promised to take me to heaven to be with Him. He gave it all on the cross. And all He asked me to do is believe on Him. And I've said this so many times, and I, I uh, pray for me. I, I want a better way to communicate this truth. But this is the main point of the sermon this morning. If you're here today and you're not saved, you must believe that it is finished. And you must stop trying to help God save you. And you must let Him save you. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That's how you get saved. It's that simple. But we make it complicated. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll believe. But then I got to do. No, no, no. If you will rest in Jesus, you could not help but do certain things. If you were walking with Jesus, you're going to automatically do some things that the Bible says. It, it, it is a natural result of knowing who Jesus is. We, we've got one that's following the Lord in baptism this morning. 
And we love that. I'll cheat a little. Got saved yesterday, getting baptized today. We love that. It's the way it ought to be. Because if you're resting in Jesus, why wouldn't you want to tell people about it? Amen? It's just that simple. I don't understand. I've had people over the years say, well, Pastor, I'm... I'd like to get saved and, 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 and baptized, but I don't want to be a member of any church. Well, wait a minute. I'll make this promise to you. There will be nothing taught in this church that isn't written down. And if it happens, I have put Moses on the ark. Uh, I've done a few things over the years that, and I, I'm sorry, I misquoted that verse. <laughs> but this is where, because author, finisher. When Jesus said it is finished, he's talking about all the works for salvation. He's talking about having given us everything that we need Second uh, Peter chapter 1, all things that pertain unto life and godliness are given, how? Getting to know who Jesus is, and this is the only place you can do that, is in this book. Now we look at Hebrews chapter 6 as we close this morning. And by the way, don't, don't get ready to leave yet, we're, we're just starting here. Uh, Verse 17, for God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it with, by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made in high priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. The author of Hebrews is trying to help us understand something. God is not some big, mean being up there that's just waiting for you to step out of line so he can go beep and snap you. That's not the God of the Bible. But that is the God the world loves to portray. You know why? Because if you're laughing at him, you never have to obey him. That's the real reason behind that stuff. But I hope you're not laughing at God today. I hope you understand that He wants you to be in heaven with Him. He wants every living person to go to heaven. Yet it was Jesus' preaching that said, Broad is the gate, I mean, wide is the gate, and broad is the way which leadeth unto destruction, and what? How many of you know the word? Many. 
many. It's straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and, what's the word? Few. There be that find it. In Luke's account, he said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. That means to fight. Well, who are you fighting? Myself. All of the lies and the misrepresentations of truth that the world offers us. You have to lay those things aside. We have to look to the author and finisher of our faith. He says, I have a rest if you will believe. Now, please don't mistake it. It's not based on your sincerity or how much you mean it or how good you try. No, no, no. It's based on it is finished. If you believe it is finished, Jesus will save you. If you're still trying to help him, you're on the wrong side of the gate. And the author of Hebrews in chapter 6 is trying to illustrate between those who believe they're saved and those who truly are saved. The world is full of people. No normal Thinking, rational person says, I want to go to hell. You hear someone say that. Uh, they say all kinds of, oh, I want to go to hell. Leave me alone, preacher. And I'm sitting here going, give me a break. You think you're, you, if you only knew what was in this book, you wouldn't say that. If you had any clue what God has done for you, you wouldn't say that. You see, Jesus is waiting on the other side. He's already there. And he says, I'm proving to you, God cannot lie. I have finished the work. If you'll trust in me, I'll save you forever. And the second truth is, once you're saved, that's how you live for him each and every day. I can't tell you, and people say, Pastor, you're so busy, and you are so right. But let me tell you something. I'm not doing one thing trying to earn God's favor. I already have that. I had it while I was still a sinner. I'm not doing one thing trying to pay God back for what he's done for me. Because I couldn't. Jesus paid it all. He is the author. He's the finisher of my faith. 
My faith is not mine. I was not raised a Baptist. This is not something that, uh, that belongs to me or the Baptist church. It belongs to Jesus. You can't be a member of this church or a part of what's going on until after you settle the issue of salvation. But if you're going to enjoy being a member of this church, you've got to live that same surrender to His Word. And you can rest from all the confusion and the hurt and the pain that is in this world. Because if Jesus has solved the problem of your sin, everything else is insignificant when it's compared to that now, isn't it? Can we say amen to that? We can trust Him with the future. We can trust Him with all the learned muckety-mucks out there trying to tell us we're old-fashioned, we don't know what we're talking about, you need something new, ba-da-da-da-da, yada-da-yada-da-yada-da. I guess that's what the world says, Right? I've got the author. i got the finisher. I'm resting in his words. I'm old enough now that I can see the results of life choices made 30 years ago, 40 years ago in my life. And I will tell you this. Jesus has done a far better job with my life than I ever could have hoped. He has given me far more than I could have ever dreamed. I have peace and contentment and satisfaction in the fact that Jesus has done the work. He finished it on the cross. And now I get to live each and every day in that same faith that saved me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, I cannot help but believe that we have some here that have not yet trusted Jesus as their personal Savior. Their their eternity is in question. And so, Lord, my first prayer is for them today, not that we would single anyone out or try to embarrass them in any way. That's not our goal. But, Lord, I do pray that the Holy Spirit would single them out. And, Lord, that they would understand what it means to simply give up on everything and trust in Jesus. Lord, I pray also for those that are saved today and, Lord, they've been baptized and, Lord, they have joined the struggle to serve you until you come back for us, to run that race with patience. Lord, number one, that we would be reminded to keep our eyes on Jesus. Lord, that we would stay within the boundaries of your word, of the faith that you authored, both the beginning and the end. Lord, that we would not be confused or pulled aside by the lies and deception of this world. But Lord, that same rest that we found when we gave our eternal soul to you, we would find 
in every situation we have in this life. Lord, we ask that you would work in hearts and lives during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. As we sing the hymn, if you're here today and you're not sure about your salvation, we just ask you to step out and walk down the aisle. Look this way and we'll have someone take the Bible and answer those questions and help you understand what it means to know Jesus as your Savior. If you're already saved, there's an altar here where you can spend some time and leave those burdens of this life here and go home resting in the words of the author and finisher of our faith. As we sing, would you come?